Welcome to this week's edition of Everything Fast Pitch by Fast Pitch Prep. I'm flying solo this week for episode number 261. We got a really good show lined up for you this week, and hopefully everything will get back to normal next week, and uh, Coach Don and I will be able to get back together in the studio. So in our warm-up segment, we're going to talk about our city of the week, player of the week, equipment tip of the week, have a fun did you know, a really interesting listener question, of course, Paige's power play, and our DR3 fast pitch pitch in question. In our leadoff segment, we're going to talk about listener-submitted question about cutting a player, um, whether it's from tryouts or just from your team and some things to be thinking about when that's happening. In our cleanup topic, we're going to talk about a viral video from uh, Carthage High School where a really tricky slide made one player famous but made the other another player kind of the target of some ridicule, and we want to talk about that a little bit today. And then our action coach, coaching tip of the week, uh, we're going to talk about uh, understanding that when you make an out, that it's not a mechanical thing, but there's a lot of things for a hitter that they need to be considering. So before we get into those topics, let's talk about our sponsors. First, the Anderson Bat Company. Everything Fast Pitch is very proud to have Anderson Bat Company as our presenting sponsor. Anderson Bat Company is using the latest and greatest bat technology to corner the market in the fast pitch world. They have the minus 9 rocket tech, the minus 10 carbon, and the minus 11 carbon light. Anderson Bat Company is using this technology to put a high-performing bat in the hands of hitters that really know the difference between a good bat and a great bat. We're also working with Anderson to provide a discount for all of our listeners. Go to the Anderson Bat Company website and order your bats. Use the EFP20 discount, which is for everything fast pitch, and you'll get a 20% discount. And as always, make sure you take advantage of that EFP20 discount. It's a great way for you to save an additional 20% on an already affordable high-end product. And again, we uh, love our Anderson bats and and want you to take advantage of that EFP20 discount. Also, let's talk about patreon.com slash everything fast pitch. We want to say thank you very much to Jerry Ralphs as our newest patron. Jerry, thank you very much for coming on board and supporting the podcast. Uh, We need more people to follow Jerry's lead. If you're in a position where you can, if you can afford to help us, it's $5, $10, or $20 a month. Uh, Coach Don and I are sneaking up on the break-even point. This podcast has been running in the red for a very long time. We've had just a couple of months where we've been in the black, but we need to start gaining some momentum here in 2023. 2022 was a really good year. We've added quite a few patrons, uh, but we need to do the same here in 2023. So if you see value in what we're doing and you want us to be able to keep doing it, if you want uh, everything fast pitch to stay uh, available to you, please consider becoming a patron. Go to patreon.com slash everything fast pitch. All right, so this week's warm-up segment is sponsored by Bittinger and Styles. Bittinger and Styles DDS is located in Webster, Mass. If you have any dental needs at all, check out the folks at Bittinger and Styles DDS. They're uh, longtime supporters of this podcast. They'll take really good care of you. Just mentioned that you found out about them from listening to everything fast pitch. So our city of the week this week is Lawrenceville, Georgia. We've had a lot of Georgia's uh, communities here in this last couple of months um, that have seen big spikes in the listening. The listeners are something we're always excited to see grow. If you know somebody that is a fast pitch fan that's not already listening to everything fast pitch or coach prep, please give them a shout. Make them aware of what's going on. Let them know about the podcast. It's super easy to find, located on all the podcast servers. And it's something that we love to see the numbers jumping. Obviously, you know, we've got a lot of connections to Lawrenceville with our sponsorship with Elite Sporting Goods. Obviously, a lot of people that uh, I've trained and worked with over the years. But it was really gratifying to seeing the numbers go up. Um, obviously, we're always excited to see that happen. We want to continue to see it grow and grow as, as we go forward. So congratulations, Lawrenceville, Georgia. You're the city of the week. Our player of the week this week is Julie Unger. Uh, Julie is... A really strong player uh, pitched uh, 10 and two-thirds innings with 20 strikeouts and no runs and just three hits allowed in a, in a really recent uh, weekend tournament. All-around really good player, just has really worked hard and is doing everything she can to become the best player she possibly can. She also caught a couple of games and threw out a couple of base runners. So it's a pretty unusual combination, a pitcher and a catcher. Had a couple of really big uh, hits and is just doing a really good job. So uh, we really do appreciate her coach, Sam, nominating her. And we want to say congratulations to Julie Unger. You are the Fast Pitch Prep Player of the Week. If you have a player that you would like to nominate, we definitely want to continue uh, recognizing players from all over the country. If you have a player in your life that is doing something big in the community, big on the softball field, big in the classroom, 
doesn't have to be just that one big tournament or one big on-the-field event. And we've also recognized a lot of players who have just worked really hard, that are great teammates, great kids, great people. We want to recognize all of those kinds of players as well. So make sure you reach out to us at everythingfastpitch at gmail.com or fastpitchprep at gmail.com. Either one of those email addresses will work. A couple of sentences, a quick little paragraph about what that player has accomplished and why you want us to recognize them. And we would love to do that. So again, make sure you send those player player of the week nominations in. It's very exciting to me. I always get the pictures of players after they've received the t-shirt and nothing puts a bigger smile on my face than seeing the smile on a player's face because they've been recognized as the fast pitch prep player of the week. So our equipment tip of the week, we're going to talk about our square cuts training discs. Uh, We've been promoting the square cuts training discs now for quite a while here on the podcast. It's our best way and our, our easiest way to promote the product. Um, we've had a lot of really good feedback and response. It's a very affordable and very useful tool. Uh, $49.95 a dozen. It is going to help your hitters when they're training on their own. It's going to help you with ideas for something to do at practice. It is absolutely foolproof. If you go to the fastpitchprep.com website, you can order them there. They're $49.95 a dozen. And you can also take a look in the YouTube of a couple of short little videos kind of laying out how the uh, square cuts are designed to be used and uh, what you can gain from using them from a hitter's perspective. Uh, we also know from our customers and listeners that people are using them for throwing, for pitching, for fielding, for all kinds of different things. And we're very gratified that people have thought of other ways to use them. Uh, we designed them as a hitting tool, and we think that there's a really great tool. So the Square Cuts training discs, again, go to the fastpitchprep.com website, $49.95 a dozen, and get them ordered up. We'll get them shipped out to you right away. So this week's Did You Know, at the University of Michigan, Alumni Field is now going to be called Alumni Field at Carroll Hutchins Stadium. Again, this is an honor and a recognition of the winningest coach in Division I softball history, somebody who is a legend in the game, a coach that all of us look up to and admire, somebody that's been doing it for a very long time and doing it at a very high level for a very long time, recently retired. And now Michigan is going to rename their facility in her honor. And uh, no one's ever been more deserving or more worthy of that recognition, you know, to have your name attached to the facilities and, and, the, the, and the university that has been such an important part of your life and that you've been important to is a great honor and something that everybody should be really excited for. So did you know at Michigan, it's now the alumni field at Carroll Hutchins Stadium. So our listener question this week comes to us from Elena, and Elena wanted to know how nationals' births are awarded. And now there's a couple of different layers to this discussion. So there's obviously the how do you win a berth if you're just a team going to a tournament? And that's something that I guess is kind of a loaded question because there are some places that you go and you play. If you play well enough and you make it to a certain point in a tournament, whether it's one bid or two bids or three bids are being awarded that day, Depending upon where you finish, if you finish high enough, you might qualify for that sanctioning body's national championship or World Series or whatever their end of the year event is. But there's a couple of other angles in this, which I think are really more of uh, kind of what Elena was thinking about when she sent this question. So we have the straight up you win a tournament or you place well at a tournament, you win a berth kind of situation. And that's the most obvious one. We also have other situations where, depending upon the team and the organization, that some organizations have a built-in system where they're awarded a certain number of berths for their organization from certain sanctioning bodies. So you know, let's say you know, a, a really big organization has you know, teams all around the country. You know, that organization might be given 10 or 15 or 20 bids uh, to give out across all the age groups in their organization. And so it's up to them within that organization to then decide, okay, we've got are five bids in 16 and under to a certain national championship. And so let's say one or two of their teams already have won because they've won a berth outright by playing well in a tournament. Well, then that organization has the ability to reward other really strong teams in an age group, really strong teams within their group by awarding them that berth. So it's not necessarily that the team earned it on the field so much as that they've earned it over the course of time with their reputation within their organization. Now, this can be a little bit of a sticky thing or a tricky thing because I'm sure there's a lot of politics, a lot of attaboys, a lot of what have you done for me lately kind of stuff that goes on in some of those discussions. And you'd like to think that it's always the next most deserving team. 
but I'm not so sure that that's always the case. And I think that's where um, you can kind of get a little bit sidetracked with some of the organizational politics of, you know, how do you make sure that you're going to get your team to California or to the Alliance or to whatever national championship you want to go to? And in some cases, you know, an organization might help you with that. Now, for anybody that hasn't seen it, I've been working on a long series of blogs. And the main title is What's Wrong with Travel Ball? And it's really meant to be a discussion starter. Um, having been around the game for as long as I have, there's a lot of things that I wish I had the magic wand to change. And you know, we haven't uh, posted the one yet where we talk about qualifying for nationals because I came up in a time when I first started coaching at the college level that the most prestigious event that everybody wanted to go to, which back then was called the ASA Gold Nationals. Back then, there was only 64 teams that qualified, and teams would chase all over the country, even up until like the week before the nationals would start, trying really hard to get one of those bids. I can remember one year that there was the last gold qualifier was in Virginia and teams from Atlanta and Tennessee, both had players that I was recruiting, you know, didn't qualify the weekend before. So they were making arrangements on the fly to get to Virginia for the next very next weekend for the last qualifier of the year to try to secure the last spot, knowing that if they won in Virginia on Sunday and got their bid to the ASA gold nationals, They'd have to be, you know, jumping in planes or jumping in the car and heading there almost immediately. So it was this, you know, mad dash, super important. Everybody that could wanted to qualify. And every year, a lot of really, really good teams didn't qualify for the gold. Well, you know, that was part of what led to a lot of other organizations taking hold and, and having big national tournaments. But that's what we grew up with. It. That was the, the only way to get to the gold nationals was to win a berth. Um, and so it was a, a really straightforward thing. Well, but the the changes that have taken place now over time, the number of national championships that we get to play in, the way that berths are awarded or given away or handed out at the last minute to fill out an event has changed drastically. It's something that I'm not a fan of, and uh, you'll hear that as one of the topics in my in my blog series. But hopefully, uh, that the background gives all of you a little bit of a, an idea. So, getting a berth in the nationals are some that are clearly earned on the field. There are some that are earned in the uh, politics of sanctioning bodies and organizations working together. Um, and there's some that are basically just given away because sanctioning bodies want to have more teams and want to squeeze more teams into a national championship at the end of the year. So, Elena, thank you very much for the question. If you have questions or topics that you want us to talk about, please make sure you send them to us at everythingfastpitch at gmail.com or fastpitchprep at gmail.com. Uh, we're always looking for listener questions. We want to make sure that we're talking about stuff that you're interested in. Uh, we've got a whole bunch of our topics today came via the uh, listener submitted ideas. So thank, keep those ideas coming. We would love to keep talking about stuff that you're interested in. So that's going to take us to this week's edition of Paige's Power Play. Hey, it is Paige here, and I have been talking a lot with my girls and the athletes that I work with on how to reframe your thoughts through the power of perspective. And this is something I learned from a mental training coach. Her name is Coach Dar. She just came out with a book called The Art of Bouncing Back, and it's so good. If you haven't read it, definitely check it out. But this is one of the things I learned from her in her book and how to gain perspective when we're feeling stuck. When we run into struggle, when we run into challenge, when we're being hard on ourselves and how to get perspective through reframing your thinking through a couple of questions. So here, here are these questions that I have been and asking the girls that I've been working with and helping them reframe their thoughts. So it starts by getting perspective first and then reframing. I would use this with your daughter, with your athlete and ask her or, you know, maybe if she has a negative thought that's coming up. When she's struggling with something like, you know, I suck at this. We'll just use the basic one. <laughs> um, so you can ask her and have a conversation around, you know, is what you're saying and thinking about yourself true? So is telling yourself that you suck, is that true? And usually it's a no, right? Um, is what you're saying or thinking about yourself good? No, not good. And is what you're saying and thinking about yourself, is it useful? No, usually not. And so this helps you get perspective and see like, okay, like I'm, you know, making this bigger than it is. Or, you know, a lot of times we just want to be stubborn and stay in the, the ickiness, the frustration. And this helps us get perspective to see the situation a more, a little bit more clearly and know that, 
yes, this, this isn't true. It's not good. It's not useful. It's not helping me get to where I want to go, accomplish the things that I want to do. So the next thing that you do is reframe. So ask her, you know, what is something that you can tell yourself that is true, good, and useful in this situation? And that's reframing. I found another quote that really goes hand in hand with our perspective and or getting perspective and reframing our thoughts. And it said, your perspective can be your power or your prison. So I, I believe that, and that's by Trent Shelton. So using perspective and getting perspective is a way through, a way out, a way towards your next opportunity and your, and having success moving forward. Or you can have a lack of perspective and stay stuck and stay in that prison. It's really ends up being our choice. And that's what, you know, mental training and our thoughts, it's, that's what it's all about. It's a choice. We get to choose and it just takes practice. So help your daughter with reframing her thoughts through the power of perspective. It's really, really powerful. It's really helpful. It's a great way to, to work through those negative thoughts that are coming up. So if mental training is something that you feel is going to be helpful and powerful for your daughter, don't hesitate to reach out. You can always find me at my website, pagetons.com, or send me a message on my Instagram or Facebook at pagetons. I'm definitely here to help you, support you, mentor your daughter, help your daughter with this mental training side of things. So have a great day. Okay, I say every week, the Paige is a rock star. We need to support her programs. If you have a player that's playing this game, I promise you, Paige will help her. She will make her a better player. She's going to make her a happier player. She's going to make you a happier family. She's going to make softball more fun. She does all that stuff because she helps players understand what's going on in their heads and handle it and use it, make it a positive thing that they can take advantage of as they head to the ballpark. So pagetons.com, make sure you sign up for some of her programs. Now that's going to take us to this week's edition of our DR3 Fast Pitch Pitching Question. Hello, everybody. Coach D here with DR3 Fast Pitch, answering one of the pitching questions that was submitted to fastpitchprep at gmail.com. So this question is from a parent of a 12U pitcher. My daughter was very consistent throwing strikes, and all of a sudden she is throwing a lot more pitches in the dirt. What is something I can look for? What is something I can help her with? So right off the bat, just knowing her age, she is in the process of going through the puberty process. So like the 10U age, the 12U age, even some girls at the 14U level, their bodies are changing. And so when their bodies are changing, their rhythm and sequence and timing can get off with their pitching because they're getting stronger. They're gaining more muscle. They're getting taller, going through growth spurts. So a really big thing that I have girls do at that age is work on a lot of rhythm drills, which I have a handful of free rhythm drills. I believe over 10 rhythm drills in my free course on my website. So if you go to dr3fastpitch.com and you go to my university, dr3fastpitchu, you can download that free course, which has hitting drills in there. It has pitching drills, specific pitching drills, mental training tips, some bullpens. There's a lot of free information in there and I add more stuff every single month. Um, I haven't dropped April's yet, but I will in the middle of the month add some more content in there. So go check that out. She can really work on rhythm drills. Another thing you can really focus on as a parent is helping her with her body alignment, making sure that we're getting our feet set properly on the rubber, our load, we're loading properly, just the little things. It doesn't have to be all the things that pitching coaches and pitching instructors are looking for but more like simplified. So like making sure she is doing her routine. She is doing a deep breath before each pitch. Little things just to help her timing and sequence stay on point. You can also remind her too that if she is constantly throwing in the dirt, she might be leaning over a little bit or she's releasing the ball a little too early. One of the two things. So if she's leaning, you can put something like a visual in front of her. Get a plunger from the Dollar Tree, get a noodle from the Dollar Tree and like have that standing kind of like at the end of where she would stride out, maybe a little bit more in front of her. And she has to think about keeping her head level with the noodle coming through, keeping her body level. So we're not crouching down. We're not leaning forward. And that's not going to automatically fix her consistently, but that's going to be a good visual for y'all to kind of work on at home. In addition to her really working on those proper movement patterns, 
um, and gaining more ankle stability to kind of like hold her position, also engaging her core. So at this young age, our muscles are not fully developed yet. And reinforcing core engagement, reinforcing glute engagement is super important. But they also sometimes cannot really feel that right away. So we have to just kind of work on those muscle groups a little bit more, continuing getting stronger. You can even have her do some glute exercises or some core exercises prior to her pitching bullpen. And that can really help her like just feel in the exercise how she activates those muscles and then try to translate that same feeling throughout her wind up. Because those are the two muscles that we really have to make sure are engaged to help our alignment and to help us stay nice and tall. Another thing parents can help out with when it comes to accuracy is reminding your girls to change her eye level. So in a game, you're not going to have your catcher put her glove on the ground or put, have the catcher stand up and put the glove like above the umpire's head. But what you can do as a pitcher is if the catcher stays where she is staying, and let's say you're looking right at her glove for her target, but you throw it three inches in front, front of her on the ground, it bounces to her. What we have to do is change our eye level. So the catcher's not going to move her glove, but what you can do is go up her body. Okay, maybe look at her head. Maybe look a little bit above her. Maybe look past her. There are times in games for me, even at the college level, like throwing a changeup, where I would have to look halfway between the pitcher and the catcher, like myself and the catcher, for me to be able to throw this pitch in the strike zone. Otherwise, I was going to skyrocket it over her head. Whether that was a mental blockage or not, it really helped with me. So I had to like dramatically change my eye level sometimes. But there were other days where I would just have to move it like maybe two or three inches, um, especially when it came to my drop ball, trying to locate that in different situations, different count. Sometimes I would look at like the X on the ground. I'd have my catcher draw that in the dirt, which is similar to like the cones that I would use in a bullpen, have cones on the ground that I would look for. And it's just reminding them to change that eye level. We have to change that focus. If you're throwing two, three, four balls in a row at the same location and you're looking at the same location, we're not making that visual adjustment. So visualization is super important. Building rhythm is super important. You can even build rhythm through drills outside of pitching doing more jump roping, simply riding a bike. Like there's little things that can just like help you gain body rhythm. I'm really big in my girls doing like dances. I'll tell them, I'm like, what's your favorite TikTok dance? Let's go ahead and do it. So we'll just kind of take a pause during lessons and I'll have them just dance it out just to feel their body in a rhythmic way outside of pitching. And I'm like, okay, now let's translate this feeling into our pitching motion. We have to have rhythm. So I'll put music on and it'll be a beat I'll have girls snap their fingers. I'll have them clap their hands, but just little things to help like teach about rhythm, especially at a younger age. And then really trying to like translate that in our pitching drills. So adding more like pattern work, more feel work, and then more mirror work as well. So they can check out their body alignment in addition to them building their rhythm. So I hope that helps. I would love to take a look at her as well. If you'd like some specific mechanical things that you'd like to work on. So those are just kind of the basics based on this question without me looking at her. But you can always submit a video um, to dr3fastpitch.com under my video evaluation services. I offer two, a basic video evaluation and a premium evaluation service, which has a two-week lesson plan that is designed for your daughter based on exactly what I see that she needs to work on in her evaluation. So that is an option. Go ahead and also add my free course to your library on my website. So subscribe to dr3fastpitch.com to stay in the loop of all upcoming events and discounts and tips and tricks and all the above for that. And then you can add the free course to your library and you can go ahead and check out Dr. 3 Fast Pitch University. I have a Pitching 101 course on there, which is for parents, players, and coaches. I have a Pitching 102 course, which is Introduction to Rotational Pitching. So if you're translating from Hello Elbow to Internal Rotation or Linear Pitching to Rotational Pitching, this course is designed for you. I've helped over hundreds of pitchers across the world start off their pitching journey with Pitching 101 and also transform them into rotational pitchers with internal rotation through my Pitching 102 course. So you can go ahead and check those out. And I also offer an online membership, which is a supplementary training platform that you can use at home in addition to your in-person or online instructor that you work with that provides structured educational lesson plans that go the first nine weeks goes over the absolutes and then 
past that, it's a lot of combining the absolutes together with some more intense bullpens. So take a look at that if that's something that you and your daughter are looking for is a little bit more structure, a little bit more education at home, because the biggest thing we have to work on as pitchers is consistency. If you are in one lesson a week and that is all you are doing, you will not translate that to a game. If you are only practicing at home one or two days a week, that is not going to translate in a game either. We have to stay consistent on our training, especially as we are going through the puberty process at a younger age to keep our rhythm on point, to keep our sequencing on point, and to really make sure that the girls are feeling their bodies because their bodies are changing. And we have to kind of understand that as a pitcher, that we have to give ourselves a little bit more grace because we are hitting this growth spurt. There's a lot of pitchers I work with that at 10 years old, they might be little powerhouses throwing like 50 plus at 10 years old. And then all of a sudden they move up to 12U. They're going through the puberty process. They go down in speed a little bit, which is common as you're backing up to 40 feet um, and throwing a bigger ball. But they're kind of plateauing for a little bit, but it's because their ankles are a little wobbly. And then come like six, seven months in to them going through that process, I see all of a sudden their speed just skyrocket. And it's because they finally have that stability. They finally have that strength that is coming onto them. And that is something we just cannot rush. We cannot rush it, but we can trust the process and you can keep doing the little things that can really help you stay as consistent as possible. So contact me through dr3fastpitch.com if you have any questions. Make sure you are following me on all social media platforms. My main platform is Instagram at dr3fastpitch. And then you can also find me on Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube under dr3fastpitch. So I hope y'all have a great weekend. Keep submitting your questions in to fastpitchprep at gmail.com. And I hope to be in the office soon with Coach Tori, Coach Don, and Mr. Stan. Very excited to have Danielle on board. She does a great job with her questions and and talking about pitching. Uh, We love when she can be in the studio with us, but uh, certainly love having her weekly contributions and and helping us understand pitching a little bit better. So that's going to take us to the leadoff topic. Leadoff topic is sponsored by Elite Sporting Goods. Elite's located at 905 Grayson Highway in Lawrenceville, Georgia. Phone number there is 678-377-0270. You can also contact them at elitesportsorders at yahoo.com. Anything you need, bats, balls, gloves, uniforms, spirit wear, the whole nine yards, they can hook you up. They do it really well, and they'll be happy to take care of you and send it anywhere in the country. So Elite Sporting Goods, 678-377-0270. So, had a suggestion from Robert. Robert wanted us to talk about the challenge of cutting a player. So whether it's a player shows up for tryouts, you have eight or 10 or 12 kids trying out, and you only need one or two kids, or you have an established team, and you, for however it happens, you're adding new players, and maybe an existing player or a player that uh, could potentially be returning is uh, now going to be cut from the team. There's lots of different scenarios that lead us Uh, to the idea of how do we cut a player. And this is something that I think has changed drastically in some ways, but in some ways it's kind of the same idea, uh, just a new way of delivering it. So when we were kids, when you tried out for the high school team, they would basically have, you know, after your two or three or four days at tryouts, you know, the coach would type up a list, post it on his office door, and it would be the you know, the 10 or 12 or 15 guys that made the varsity and be the 10 or 12 or 15 guys that made the JV. And if your name wasn't on either one of those two teams, you were cut. There was no, hey, Tori, nice job. You really appreciate your effort. Thanks for coming out. We just you know, don't have a spot for you on the team this year. Keep working hard. You'll find a place on, on next year's team or whatever. There was none of that stuff at all. It was just a posting a list and then you dealt with it. Now, there's some famous stories of really great players that didn't see their name on the list. You know, Michael Jordan is the famous one who you know, got cut as a freshman in high school and you know, basically went home you know, wanting to complain about the coaches and mom and dad basically told him to you know, shut up and work harder and, and try out for the team again next year. And obviously we know that that's the ultimate, oh my gosh, look what he became story. But the one thing I did want to talk about is you know, the, the whole idea of not seeing your name on that list with no feedback, with no anything at all to thank you for the effort, for you know to support the idea that you you know made your best shot, um, that uh, things that you could work on if you wanted a chance to improve for next year. The fact that all of that was missing, I think, is a really sad thing. So now in the modern world, 
We still have some teams that do something very similar to that, except now instead of posting a list on the coach's door, we post the list on social media and kids read their names or don't read their names. And honestly, in some ways, this might even be a, a, a harsher reality because for players that were public in their desire to make a team, if, if they're trying out for a travel ball team and they've told all their friends, mom and dad have told all their friends, and all of a sudden everybody looks on the social media post and they see that they're, they're not listed, that they didn't make the team, I think the trauma of that can be a whole lot farther reaching than it used to be in our day. You know, in, in our little community, if you didn't make the team, you know, a few people would know about it, but it was not that big of a deal. Now, if you don't make the team, it's a worldwide event. But the one thing I will say for all our coaches, when it's time to tell a player that they are not going to make your team, that you're cutting them, um, that you're not selecting them, that whatever the circumstances are, whether it's a returning player or a new player, we owe them a little bit more than just posting their name on a list. And the reason I think that's so important is without that, I think we're missing out on a really good opportunity. You know, part of what made Michael Jordan's story so amazing is that when he went home, he had parents that were kind of there to kick him in the butt and tell him, you know, to quit complaining, quit whining and get to work. But there's a lot of kids that don't necessarily have that same kind of environment, especially nowadays. So if we can, you know, spend a little bit of time laying out for them. Well, here's why you didn't make the team. Here's some of your weaknesses. Here's things we really need you to work on. Here's you know, the, the thing that separated you from some of the other players that we selected, I think that feedback and that information is crucial. And if we're doing that, then I think we're doing everything that we can. You know, every team has a certain number of players. And, you know, whether it's Coach Don and my usual complaint that most of us in the travel ball world have rosters that are too small, or it's a school ball situation where you only have so many spots, so many uniforms, so many of whatever to give out. So when cutting a player, I think it's really crucial that we use every opportunity at our, at our disposal from a coach's perspective to give that player and her family as much information as we possibly can, whether it's a phone call, whether it's a face-to-face -face meeting at the end of the practices or tryouts, however you're going to be able to do it. I mean, I suppose you could even send an email or you know, send a message, but whatever it is, some feedback, some information, some idea of what they should have done, could do better, need to improve upon. I think is what we owe all players who try out for our team. And the whole idea of just, you know, cutting a kid with no feedback at all, I think is really, really weak. And we want to you know, change that mindset and encourage a player because anybody that's trying out for a team, you know, they, they've really put it out there for themselves and for us to see. They've done everything they can to try to prepare themselves and to try to make the best impression they possibly can. And if we just blow that off with uh, not putting their name on the list or shooting them a quick little message saying you didn't make the team, I think that's a really sad thing. And of course, you know, it's even more complicated if you're in a situation where um, you have a player returning. Maybe it's a situation where you're trying to step up in competition. So you decide that you need to add three or four much stronger players, which means that a couple of players that might have been on the team in the past just aren't going to have the same kind of role or might not have the same opportunities that they had in the past. I think that player for sure needs a face-to-face -face talking uh, to an, of an absolute face-to-face -face explanation because if they've already been on your team, I think you owe them at least that much as you're telling them that they're not going to be on the team in the future. So the whole idea of handling how we cut a player, I think you know the, the golden rule of, you know, I would hope that my kids will be treated and that I will treat other people's kids in the same vein. You know, there's nothing more heartbreaking from a parent's standpoint than to have your child be really disappointed. But it's very infuriating if they're disappointed and they also have no feedback. If they're disappointed and heartbroken because they didn't make a team, but they also don't have any idea what the reasoning was, what the weaknesses were or whatever it is that that led to them not making the team. I think that's an unfair situation. So let's make sure we treat those players the way we would want our own kids to be treated. Let's be fair, honest, and straightforward. Let's give them a honest explanation and let's get away from the old, you know, just posting a list mentality. Um, we all grew up with that. At least my generation grew up with it. And I can tell you that there were a lot of times that it was the most stressful, most heartbreaking, most difficult things. I can remember, you know, seeing my name as the you know, last or second to last name on the list, which means I barely made the team and being super excited, but then looking over and seeing that a friend of mine or a couple of friends of mine's names weren't on the list and how heartbreaking and how hard it was. And then, you know, how 
frustrating it was too, because there was never any, you know, well, here's why, here's what you needed to do. Here's what you should have done better. So coaches, we owe it to the players that try out for our team to give them as much information as possible. Please make sure we do that. So our cleanup topic this week is sponsored by Pinnacle Power Butter. Everything Fast Pitch is very proud to be sponsored by Pinnacle Power Butter. It's a nutritious snack that every athlete should have in their bag of tricks. It will allow you to get a great snack, something that's healthy and nutritious, all natural, and goes a long way towards making a ball player a better one. And Tori, our listeners can get their Pinnacle Power Butter at PinnaclePowerButter.com and they can place their order there. Again, that's PinnaclePowerButter.com. If they use their promo code of EFP10, they can also get a 10% discount. And we're really excited that they're on board with us. Products are great. We've used them and tried them at home. The whole family loves it. And as always, make sure you take advantage of that EFP10 discount. It's a great way for you to save a 10% on your purchase. And the Pinnacle Power products are great. Uh, Coach Don and I love them. We definitely think it's something that your player should have in her bag of tricks uh, to get through those long, hard days at the ballpark. So a couple of days ago, and for about a week, there was a viral video that was all over the softball world playing a game from Carthage High School, which is in Texas, where the base runner is coming home on a play at the plate. The catcher has the ball, and the catcher has the ball in plenty of time uh, to make the tag. But the base runner, like we would all hope our base runners would do, is doing everything she possibly can to be safe. So she's dodging and diving and juking, and she comes up with an original solution that I think has had very unexpected and in some ways unfortunate reaction. So she kind of does a quick little okey-doke, like screams and points like there's another play going on, and the catcher gets distracted for just a split second. When this catcher turns away, the base runner sneaks in, dives in, and, and is safe at home plate. So on one hand, we're looking at a base runner who was being super ultra-competitive, doing everything she possibly can, you know, fighting like crazy to try to score that run, doesn't give up, does all those things that we think are really, really positive. You know, the catcher is doing everything that she's supposed to do until she basically gets fooled for just a split second, loses her focus for just a split second, looks away, and the base runner is safe. So here's why I wanted us to talk about this today. Because I would love to have that base runner on my team, but I would love to have the catcher on my team too. And the reason is really pretty straightforward. They both were doing everything they possibly could to do the right thing in that situation. And base runner ended up looking like the hero, looking like the star of the YouTube videos and all that stuff because she was safe. Unfortunately, what ended up happening is there was so much of, uh, and I'm sure you've all seen some of it, the backlash at the catcher who is a high school age kid who's doing the best she can, who's working as hard as she can to make a play. And you would have thought that she was worst person on the face of the earth, the dumbest person that's ever lived, the you know most ridiculous, foolish, every negative thing you can possibly say, think, or attach to a player was attached to this player. And to me, it was the most frustrating and saddest thing I've ever seen because in our current world, we know that if not that player herself, people who know her, family members, people like that are reading these comments or seeing these messages they're seeing all this hate and all this terrible, terrible stuff being said about them. And it's just really, really sad to me. Now, I was very excited to hear and, and heartened to hear that the Carthage coaching staff reached out to, to the catcher and basically told her how proud they were of her, how the, you know she was a great player and a great kid and great teammate and all those things. Um, and to me, I think that's something that we all should be focusing on, that the people who are in the trenches and in the battle with that player came to her defense. And as I said earlier, I think that watching her play, the you know the way she was going about her business, all the stuff that she was trying to do to help her team in that situation is exactly the kind of player we all want to have on our team. And so for a bunch of people to just decide, you know, that they're in a position where they can judge, you know, they they can live in that glass house and never have to worry about stones being thrown because they're going to you know, crucify this you know, high school age softball player for getting fooled for just a split second. I mean, I don't know about anybody who's listening to this podcast, but if I had a nickel for every dumb thing I've ever done, every time I got distracted, every time I looked away at the wrong split second, every time I made a mistake on a, on a baseball field or a coaching on a softball field or in any other of thousands of other things that we do in this world, 
I had a nickel for every one of those, um, I wouldn't be asking you to become a patron every week. But the reality of it is we live in a world now where when somebody makes a mistake, it's, it's front page news. It's worldwide. Everybody knows about it. You know, if it doesn't make ESPN, it's going to be all over Twitter and all over Instagram and all the other social medias. And these players have to live with it. And I know we've talked a lot with some of the different guests and people like that here about the, you know, the crisis that we have in this country now where there's so much pressure on young people. The suicide rate is going through the roof. We see all kinds of athletes at the college level, high school level that are hurting themselves and taking their own lives because they can't handle the pressure that is on them, whether it's just from athletics or just life in general, that for anybody to jump on board and start blasting this poor girl is just sad and weak. And I, I wish that we all could be so perfect that we can you know, get after a high school age kid and tell her all these terrible things and, and try to make her feel even worse than she already did. Because at the end of the day, Nobody ever makes a mistake on purpose. Nobody ever messes up on purpose. And when somebody messes up on a softball field, it's really not that big of a deal in the grand scheme of things. But if we allow it to become a really big deal, if we allow it to get so blown up and out of proportion that this softball player has to you know, carry around this albatross, it's just a really sad thing. So congratulations to the uh, players involved, because I think they handled this, all thing, this whole thing really, really well. And again, as I said at the outset, you know, I loved watching both of these players in this video. I want to congratulate one for you know doing everything she can to make herself uh, safe so that her her team could potentially win the game. But I also want to congratulate the other one because you know she did everything she possibly could and she just made a mistake. And if uh, we're all going to be judged that harshly for a mistake on a softball field, I think we got a lot of other stuff that's a lot more important and a lot more worrisome to be worrying about moving forward. So just wanted to throw that out there because I think we all have you know, access to this information. We see it all the time. And I just think we have to always be thinking about, you know, for every good thing that happens to one person on a softball field, it might mean something bad's happening to somebody on the other side of the field. And if we spend all our time glorifying only the good that happens to the one side and and lose sight of the passion and, and, and effort and enthusiasm that the other side is also playing with, we're really missing the boat. So just thought it was a worthwhile topic today. Wanted to throw that out there for all of you to think about. Let's make sure that we're uh, using a little bit of uh, common sense and definitely you know, thinking about treating people the way we want to be treated before we hit the send button on that next reply. Um, and again, uh, you know, social media is an amazing thing, but I think unfortunately a lot of times it's adding a whole lot of stress, a whole lot of pressure, and a whole lot of problems for a lot of the young people in our lives. And we just have to make sure that we keep it all in perspective and, and do the right things with it. So that's going to take us to this week's Action Coach Coaching Tip of the Week. Saw a post from Trent Mangero talking about hitting the other day. And I've, I've seen quite a few of his posts on Facebook. And I think a lot of the stuff is really, really good. But the one that I wanted us to talk about today is something we've talked about in the past, but something that drives me crazy. It drives me crazy as a hitting coach. It drives me crazy as a coach in general uh, is something that I think we have to always keep thinking about because I see it over and over and over again. I have this discussion with a parent or two every single week in lessons. And I know that uh, it's something I see every time I go to the ballpark. So you're up at the plate. You take a swing. Either you get a hit or you don't, right? Either you, you have success or you don't. But the reality of it is that whether or not you were successful or not, whether or not you had a, got a hit in that at bat, whether or not you hit the ball hard in that at bat, has hundreds and hundreds of factors that contribute to it. And one of the least likely to be worried about in that moment is my swing mechanics. Again, if I had a nickel for every time I've heard a player, after every time they don't get a hit, ask a coach or ask a teammate or ask their parents, well, what did I do wrong on that one? Uh, it, the, the number of nickels I'd have would, would you know, probably go from here to the moon. The reality of it is a lot of times hitters, you didn't do anything wrong. Sometimes the pitcher just did something right. Sometimes you did do something that wasn't quite right, but it had nothing to do with your mechanics. Maybe it was your timing. Maybe it was your vision. Maybe it was your approach. Maybe it was your focus at the plate. There's lots of things to be thinking about. But unfortunately, I think what happens the most and what I see all the time and what led to this discussion today is we all want to focus on the mechanics. Every time somebody hits a pop-up, there's somebody in the stands, well, she dropped her hands or she dropped her elbow or she did this or she did that. Well, 
She might have or she might not have. That might just be the one thing that we focused on because every time she hits a pop-up, we think it's always A equals B. But the reality of it is A to B might have a hundred little detours along the path of getting there. So next time you hit a pop-up, instead of trying to fix your swing, ask yourself a couple of questions. Did you forget how to hit or did your timing get messed up? You know, one of the biggest things we talk about all the time is that most hitters who have spent very much time at all working on their hitting have got swing mechanics that are good enough that that's rarely the only thing that they need to worry about. So you can have that million-dollar swing, but if your timing is really off today for some reason, you're really late getting your front foot down. I don't care how good your swing looks when the ball's not moving. When that ball starts moving and your timing is so messed up, your swing's going to be totally jacked up. So you might be dropping your hands, you might be dropping your elbows, you might be stepping away, you might be lunging, you might be diving, you might be dipping, you might be doing you know, all of these hundreds of you know, instant fixed type statements that people are always throwing around at the ballpark, but they might all be created because your timing's off. So let's think about the timing part before we worry about fixing our swing. It might be my mental approach. I might be going up to the plate waiting you know, or confident that the pitcher is going to walk me because they walked the teammate in front of me. And so then they throw a couple of meatballs right down the middle and I'm not ready to hit them because my mind's not right. I'm not thinking about hitting. I'm thinking about, well, I'm probably going to get walked like she did. You know, or the pitcher is really wild. She's bouncing them in the dirt and she's throwing them halfway up the backstop every once in a while. We're so busy thinking that that's what's going to happen. that when she throws me that meatball right down the middle, I'm not ready to hit it. So there's just two really big, big things that happen to an awful lot of hitters that lead to them not being successful that don't have anything to do with their mechanics. You know, so if their timing's off, their mechanics are going to be messed up. If their mental approach is off, their mechanics are probably going to be messed up. And the reality of it is, even if their timing is great, even if their mental approach is awesome, even if they're seeing the ball out of the pitcher's hand really, really well, even if they've worked so hard to have the perfect million-dollar swing that, that they can repeat swing after swing after swing, there's a pitcher out there on the field, and she's doing everything she can to make you miss it. So she might do something a little bit extra special on that one pitch. You do everything right. You swing. You take a great swing. You just miss the ball by a quarter of an inch, and you hit a lazy fly ball instead of a 250-foot home run. Well, Do you need to go in the dugout and worry about what you did wrong? Probably not. But unfortunately, here's why I wanted us to to make sure we hit on this today. Too many of us head into the dugout and all of a sudden we're worrying about fixing things that we end up probably creating more problems for ourselves than we ever needed to. And so the question I ask hitters all the time, you've heard me say this before, you heard me say it earlier today. If a hitter asks me the question, what did I do wrong? I always ask him, so did you forget how to hit? And their response is always this like stare, like, well, no, I didn't forget how to hit. Well, okay, then if you didn't forget how to hit, did you have enough time to do what you need to do to hit the ball well? Because it takes a certain amount of time for every hitter to get from recognition to contact. And if their timing's off, that's going to be messed up. That's about 90% of the response. Well, no, I didn't really have enough time. I was late getting set up. I didn't get my front foot down in time. Okay, well, that's a whole lot easier to fix than running out to the tee that's outside the dugout right now and taking 50 more swings because you did something mechanically flawed because your timing was so messed up. Fix the timing, the mechanical flaw is going to disappear. Okay, did you forget how to hit or was your mind not right? Well, no, she's been so wild, I wasn't even expecting to hit. I figured I was going to get walked like everybody else. So when you swung, were you really ready to hit or were you sort of ready to hit? Well, I don't even know if I was sort of ready to hit. I was just you know kind of going through the motions. Well. Does that mean you should take another 50 swings to work on your mechanics or should you get your mind right? And so the idea of, and Trent's point was in his post, to stop trying to fix your mechanics every time you don't get a hit and think about if I didn't get a hit or if I didn't take a good swing or if I'm in a little bit of a rut where it seems like I'm hitting a lot of balls in the air or hitting a lot of balls weekly, Um, what's the real reason? And if it's somebody that's been training pretty consistently, I think it's a lot more likely it's going to be something other than the mechanics. And if we spend all our time thinking about the mechanical stuff, all we're going to do is create more problems than than we really need to. So be aware that the fact that we're not getting a hit every single at bat 
There's a lot of things going on that are contributing to that. Some of it might be great pitching. Some of it might be your timing. Some of it might be your mental approach, but it's not going to always be mechanical. And the instant rush to say, I've got to fix my swing is a big, big problem that we've got to correct. Hello, I'm John Davis. I'm a business coach with Action Coach. And we partner with business owners that have challenges like not enough time in the day or underperforming teams or general uncertainty about what to do next to improve their business. Most of these business owners have revenue and profits that's lower than they expected when they started their business. What we do is we provide education and strategies, skills, and tactics, as well as providing the accountability and focus that the business owners need so that they can build a business that they originally dreamed about. Because of that, they get to take longer vacations, earlier retirement, and have a business that they can sell to somebody else at a much higher return on their initial investment. So let me ask you this. Who do you know that could benefit by a short discussion on these topics? That's all it takes to get started. You can have them reach out to me at John Davis at actioncoach.com and we can schedule a quick call. You just mentioned fast pitch prep and a portion of all the revenue received will be passed back to this great podcast. Now is a great time to get into action. So that's going to wrap up episode number 261. I appreciate your patience hanging out with me solo today. As always, please make sure you support our sponsors, the Anderson Bat Company, Bittinger and Styles DDS, Elite Sporting Goods, Pinnacle Power Products, and Action Coach. Please make sure you go to the fastpitchprep.com website, order your Square Cuts training discs. They're $49.95 a dozen. Also check out the blogs and the YouTube channel. Make sure you send us ideas, questions, player of the week nominations, all of the above either everythingfastpitch at gmail.com or fastpitchprep at gmail.com. We want to make sure that we um, are talking about stuff that you're interested in today. I really do appreciate uh, Robert and Elena uh, for reaching out to us with topics and questions. It uh, definitely gave us something fun to talk about today. So for Coach Don McKinley and our producer, Stan Lewis, this is Coach Tory saying thanks for listening. We'll talk to you again next week.